0: This is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party.
1: This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, it is. Welcome
0: into the program. What's up? It is a pre-Friday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. I don't care what anyone says. Let's carpe diem all over this place, baby. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Welcome in. It is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting on multiple places, multiple stations all over. Thanks for hanging out your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. I did not know that Joe Biden took as many steroids as he did today. And on a semi-regular basis, maybe now at least, he's got to get his name out there again. I mean, he's trying to keep his poll ratings up to at least where they're at, which are still the low 40s, but he's still got to keep them up there, right? He was on the campaign trail today going to Philly and talking about how much of a connection he has to Philadelphia today as he officially released his federal budget proposal for 2024. And boy, did he make a fool of himself. He spoke for, hold on, I have the entire audio right here. We're not going to play all of it for God's sake, but 53 minutes, man. Uh, outside of the State of the Union, I did not know he could speak for a total of 53 minutes, although much of it was really telling stories about his dad and mumbling. It was horrible. If anybody was there, they would have fallen asleep, and they probably did the whole 10 people, by the way, that were there. If you listen to the audio of the speech, according to CNBC, uh, now I get it. The microphone's there. You don't always hear the crowd, but you had like three people that continue to hoot and holler. Everybody else, yay. Ten people were showing up, and he showed up at some plant there in Philadelphia. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Bottom of the hour, we have Mark Burrell. He is author of the book Rediscovering the American Covenant, Roadmap to Restore America. We'll talk about ways that we can restore America as we've gone down the road the last few days regarding ways to fight back on uh, what Washington, D.C. is doing, trying to at least keep a little bit of our privacy, at least keep a little bit of our freedom, and actually fight back and push back on what even both Republicans and Democrats today are are doing i want to start here though because i don't quite grasp it i was not even aware of it until yesterday i was on another podcast program last night which if you go to my personal private page on facebook and find me at andy hoosier uh, you can friend me on there i friend just about anybody as long as i have a couple mutual friends if not then at least send me a note and be like i'm a listener not some weird like bot on facebook but you can friend me and i'm more than welcome to i love having new friends on there because you're all my friends and family oh isn't that cute I didn't even know about this issue until yesterday, but apparently Donald Trump's been on the campaign trail and talking about freedom towns and how he wants to build these new towns and how we we're going to pay more people to have kids and how we're going to bring family units together and how we're going to do all this. And we're going to use all this you know wasteland in California, all this open area, and we're just going to build all these new freedom towns, which is a little weird, let's be honest, just a little bit strange. If that's what you want to do, then I guess cool, but... That's a little weird to me. Then you have Elon Musk, according to the Wall Street Journal, building a Texas utopia where he wants to build a town for all of his workers at Tesla and the other companies that he has that are in the area. He wants to build an actual town to where they can the workers, the employees for his companies, can just go and live there and then just work right there. Um, kind of weird. I don't know what to think about these. These are kind of like the whole 15-minute towns that are concerned that's going on in the Middle East where they're building uh, where you just live there and you don't have to go more than a 15-minute walk to go to work or to go to the grocery store or to do anything. It's all about convenience. It's about confining people. And then it's about just letting the rest of the earth just do its own thing. And it's been kind of a popular trend over the last year or two, at least on social media, especially TikTok that they're trying to ban conveniently right now, where they're talking about making these things happen. Now, is that really what we've come to in society? Is just a town of convenience. We already have convenience, at least I think. Now, I live about a half hour away from the radio studio, right? It's about 30 to 40 minutes. And I enjoy it. I get to, like, pump myself up for the day, what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this done. Here's the outline of my day. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. You're going to do a good job today. Yeah. yeah. got <laughs> You got to get yourself pumped up throughout the day. Then on the way home, I'm like, man, that was an awesome day, or man, that was a rough, but we got this. And then you calm yourself down by the time you get home. You don't have any stress from work. You can actually enjoy the family. You've already kind of worked out your issues. You've played some really heavy, angry music to, like, relieve all that pent-up stress and frustration. And you feel wonderful 40, 40 to 45 minutes later when you pull in the driveway, and you're like, hey, family, how's it going? I love that. I love it. I love my drive. I've always been a guy that wants to do road trips. Just get in the car and just go and disappear and drive. I absolutely love it. These little towns, man, these utopias. I don't know what Donald Trump's thinking with doing these freedom towns. To me, that doesn't make any sense. And using, by the way, imminent domain to consume the land for federal land to build towns on it to put people in sounds a little not very conservative or Republican. But at the same time, you have to remember Donald Trump is not a conservative conservative. He's a populist, and he sees a real estate opportunity to where he's just throwing things out there, I think, personally trying to generate some activity and some conversation around his campaign that has not gained as much momentum as the way he did when he kicked off his run in 2016. So with all that being said, I find that very strange that now we're just having multiple people out there talking about trying to build little utopian towns to have their own clique of people want to go and hang out at And I don't know that I'm okay with that. We don't like segregation from the other side. We criticize them doing black-onlys in certain dorm rooms at college and all this resegregation that we're seeing from the other side of the aisle. Uh, Ideologically, even though I think the other side's complete mad, I don't know that I would want to segregate myself away because then we would remember when you don't understand them, then you want to fear them. When you fear them, then you hate them. When you hate them, you want to attack them. And we're not going to go down that road long-term in society, generations from now. Just my observation to kick off the program here on a Thursday. Welcome into it.
1: What's trending today? I would
0: be curious to see if people agree or disagree with on me, which you can email me, network at gmail.com, and you can uh, let me know. I uh, That's an interesting concept, for sure. Uh, let's get into the big topic of the day. Obviously, Joe Biden was on the campaign trail today, mumbling his way through a 53-minute speech on his budget proposal, Republicans in the House of Representatives have already said, uh-uh, ain't going to fly, uh, while he's out there talking about the way that we get the economy going again is spending more money and investing in more social programs and uh, wiping out debt for a lot of individuals while attacking Republicans all at the same time.
2: Another big disagreement with my MAGA Republicans, by the way, a lot of, this ain't your father's Republican party, there's a lot of really good Republicans. There really are. But... Uh, they're afraid to step out of line because they'll get primary and they'll lose elections. Mega Republicans, you know, they they, they don't want things that particularly are going to help working families like health care, education, public safety, <laughs> which are going to raise costs on folks. Look, mega Republicans also refuse to raise a single penny in new taxes on the wealthiest people.
0: Okay, that's just... A portion of the stupid that we had to hear earlier today. And oh yes, I have all 53 minutes of it on audio and I listened to the entire thing today and it drove me absolutely mad. Now he used some of the old ad, uh, adages that he's lied about during the State of the Union, how he created 12 million jobs, how you know the economy is doing so great. The, the fascinating part though that is kind of the new twist on the economic front from Joe Biden and the Democrats right now is somehow how government investment into forcing a price of a product to be lower is somehow saving you money. And while some that are looking at the service level and can't see past their nose on the front of their face, sure, that sounds great. If the government's covering the price, for example, let's say insulin, if they're forcing the pharmaceuticals to not charge more than 35 bucks because they're going to subsidize it, then they're like, hey, that's great. That's $35 capped. We're not going to spend two, three, four hundred dollars $400 for this uh, medication that I need. It's awesome. Government's taking care of me. Government lowered the price. And I've said this many times before, so we're going to say it again and reiterate it for the other side of the aisle that it's not actually cutting the price of the product, it's subsidizing the product by you only covering. $35 $35 for the insulin. But the rest of the cost is actually going towards the government. Now, how does the government pay for it? They use the nice little credit card that they have that's the uh, apparently the infinite amount with no type of cap on it or debt limit, and they continue to swipe it, and where do they get that money to pay on it? Your taxpayer money. So you're still paying for it. You're just not paying for it up front. You're just paying for it on the back end with your uh, t- uh, nice little taxes that he wants to continue to increase. Now, he said he wants to lower taxes... But he wants to raise taxes on those making, what, $400,000 or higher? The arbitrary line that continues to move every year, depending on administration. Obama said 200 to 250. Uh, Joe Biden saying 400,000. But what's actually in this bill that he proposed today, where he says that we're cutting near $2.5 trillion over the next 10 years, and he wants to raise taxes on the rich individuals? I'm not sure how that makes a whole lot of sense, but what exactly is in this bill? Let's go to the horse's mouth, a.k.a. CNN, who's just the puppet for the Biden administration. Number one, what's in the Biden's budget proposal? Placing a minimum tax on the evil billionaires, including a 25% minimum tax on all income of the wealthiest 0.01% of Americans, including their appreciated assets. It would hit those with a net worth of more than $100 million. Hold on, wait a second. I thought they were billionaires. No, uh, worth $100 million with their net worth okay so it's not billionaires it's millionaires that are worth 100 million dollars let's be clear here that's not a billionaire number two increase the corporate tax rates of course raising it up to 28 percent, up from the 21 percent repealing trump's tax cuts on the wealthy well you would be doing that if you rose taxes dummy but i'm glad that you made that a separate point here on the cnn article restore the enhanced child tax credit there it is it's back The universal basic income i mean the child tax credit is back as the budget calls for reviving the expanded child tax credit uh beefing up the child tax credit from the current uh what was it 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 would beef the credit up to thirty six hundred dollars per child under the age of six and three thousand dollars for older children i believe that right now is two thousand twenty five hundred dollars which then they would then turn around and say well we need to actually put that into the account of individuals automatically again and just direct download it into. Here's the crazy part, again, why it's not a child tax credit. According to CNN, they openly admit it, it would permanently make the credit fully refundable so more low-income families would qualify. You don't even have to hit the threshold for it in order for you to get that tax credit. It would just be automatic to you. Improving Medicare's finances by investing more money into Medicare. Shocker, $35 insulin for Americans. Reducing uh, prescription drug costs for seniors, again, not actually lowering the cost by deregulating, but just subsidizing it through your taxpayer money so you feel, it's all about feelings, not about facts, you feel like you're getting some type of relief in some way, shape, or form. Make enhanced Obamacare subsidies permanent. They openly say, oh, we're just going to subsidize these things and make it actually happen on a permanent basis, increase increase food security, reduce material uh, maternal mortality, lower Medicaid spending. That's an interesting one. The budget would require private insurance companies that provide Medicaid coverage to pay back some money when they charge the program far more than they actually spend on patient care. If they're cutting back on investing in statewide Medicaid programs, doesn't that shoot down the entire Obamacare plan? where we're supposed to expand Medicaid and the government's gonna cover up to 90% of the expense at the state level. I thought that was the whole plan. The government's gonna cover it, now they're gonna cut back on their Medicaid spending, but they're gonna continue to expand the Obamacare programs. Make college more affordable by increasing the $500 increase to maximum Pell Grants, AKA subsidizing higher education, universal preschool and affordable childcare, uh, provide paid family and medical leave, address climate change and military defense along with support for the ukraine in fact actually this bill lowers spending on the military but they say it's a 3.2 percent increase it's actually not it's actually a little bit of a decrease overall in our military spending while we have ongoing conflicts and more conflicts that could be potentially arising social programs good Self-defense and national defense bad. That's the Biden administration. Republicans better not uh, cower on this one and allow some type of this version to go through in any way, shape, or form. Lots
1: more to get to. Stay here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
2: You know, a lot of people are saying to me that they don't like the idea I'm prepared to forgive up to two thousand, uh, up to $20,000 if you got a Pell Grant or $10,000 for anybody who has a student loan during the recession. Well, guess what? we paid the so-called ppp program we paid significant i think it's 900 billion dollars i I think don't hold me that number but it's well over nine (laughs) on for anybody who had tough time with their business during the pandemic so they could pay employees they could do the but guess what you may remember i was running for office at the time and you all may remember that mm-hmm. uh, I had a big fight with uh, the former president, uh, and maybe future president. Bless be Father.
0: Oh, my. Oh, all, my.
2: All, all kidding aside.
0: What is he talking about? And here's
2: the deal. What happened was mm-hmm. the folks are really going after me for trying to, and by the way, mm-hmm. 90% of all the debt forgiveness mm-hmm. for student loans mm-hmm. Will go to under my plan. Ninety percent will go to uh, families making under seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Okay.
0: Boy, boy, he got along. That took a long time for him to get to an actual point. There, that was Joe Biden earlier today, sitting in Philly as he walked into another manufacturing plant, hold ten people. You could hear, you could hear the couple of claps. Yeah, yeah, nice little booed, little Donald Trump, the MAGA Republicans, the constant attack. He still didn't make a point of actually where he's getting the money to fund this or why it's an actual good deal, other than the fact that well, we bailed out businesses. Why can't we bail out actual uh, uh, students with their student loans? Here's the problem: the student loans were there prior to. The COVID-19 pandemic and most of the PPP stuff, some of it was forgiven. Others of it was not to keep a business surviving so that way the economy doesn't crash. An individual still has an obligation to pay back debts that they had because businesses, as he goes on to say during that really long and boring and drawn out speech that we have no clue what the hell he's trying to say, uh, made the comment that they're investigating those who fraudulently took advantage of the PPP plan. Because they were doing things they weren't supposed to do with it. If you remember, the PPP plan was for sanitary products, hand sanitizer, wipes, masks, and then it was to help cover payroll. It wasn't to pay off debt. It wasn't to get further ahead. It was to maintain your business, to be able to pay for the payroll so you didn't have to let anybody go, which a lot of people still unfortunately had to do so. That's what it was for. Not to say, oh, hey, here's a whole bunch of money. Just do what you want with it. Go ahead and pay off a debt with it that uh, you're obligated to pay, and we're just going to wipe it away, and these aren't the droids you're looking for, and just make it all go away. It's not what it was for. That's a little weird. So he's hyping this up. I don't know. I said this yesterday. I don't really know why presidents, governors try and do a budget proposal because the power of the purse is not with them. They have nothing to do with it. And it's not a big deal on uh, most of the time when they get it and Congress gets it. They crumple it up. They throw it into the request bin in the corner of the office and they say, thank you. We're going to do our own thing. Message to Republicans right now. Stay strong. Stay steadfast. Stay steadfast. And do exactly that. Toss it into the request bin and say, thanks for your service. We're going to do our own thing. And then the battle begins because we have a Democrat-run Senate and a Republican-run House Kind of. Although I will say, here's the optimism. The Senate right now is uh, lacking a few individuals, with John Fetterman in the hospital right now for his depression. Then we had Dianne Feinstein that's in the hospital for an issue. Now Mitch McConnell's tripped and fell, and apparently he's got a concussion, and he's going to be in for a day or two as well. So (laughs) the Senate's dropping like flies, man. I don't know what's going on in the Senate right now, but as of right now, technically... Democrats don't have as much of a control in the Senate as what they used to, and our hack wannabe pretend Republican in the Senate with Mitch McConnell, who's got the the, uh, nuts that are stuck in his mouth and he can't talk very well and half drunk all the time, uh, he's out as well. So other Republicans have an opportunity to step up and lead the party in the Senate, maybe as a career opportunity if they do very well at it, and we can actually put the Democrats in their place and stop some of this madness from actually happening. Mark Burrell on the show right after this. Stay here on The Voice of Reason.
1: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with andy hoosier yes indeed it
0: is welcome back in reason common sense rationale thanks for hanging out today for a pre-friday celebration always great to have you along for the ride we have way too much fun on the show sometimes we get a little glossy eyed go a little deep into the weeds unveil the layers of the onion just a little bit more but that's a good thing isn't it talking about things that most other people don't because we need to be on the up and up for the most part welcome back into it we'll get back into the budget proposal from Joe Biden here in just a little bit. Tomorrow, Congressman Tracy Mann from right here in the state of Kansas, right hail from with our flagship. He's on the western like if you draw a line down the middle of Kansas, he represents the entire western half. And uh, he's a great guy. He's on a lot of different committees, and he will be joining us tomorrow to talk about the federal budget proposal from Joe Biden, what it all entails, and uh, the shenanigans that they're trying to pull from the other side. Because, of course, they're trying to uh, place the blame on Republicans of, well, we're totally willing to work with raising the debt ceiling, and Republicans totally want the debt ceiling to be crashed and us, not be able to pay our debts. And for the first time ever, it's totally their fault, and we didn't add all the debt. It was debt that was accrued for more than 200 years. By the way, all that was in the speech that Joe Biden gave uh, today in Philly when no one was really paying attention to what he had to say. So we'll get back to all that here in just a second. But there's a deeper issue here, isn't there? What's trending today? There's a bit of a deeper issue and excited to have this guy on the program, Mark Burrell. He is author of the book Rediscovering the American Covenant Roadmap to Restore America. Excited to have him back on the show with us again here. Mark, how are you, my friend? Great, Andy. It's good to be
3: with you.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back on the show. We enjoyed the chat last time you were on here. There are some deeper issues we can bicker about the budget, which to me, like budgetary issues, are probably some of the most important issues because we can squabble about social issues or other politics. If we have a strong economy in uh, in a country that's actually stable, when the economy is unstable, the country's unstable, and that's kind of an issue, isn't it? But there's some deeper things going on here.
3: Yeah, We uh, we as a nation need to get our fiscal house in order. You just cannot keep going like we are. And of course, uh, many of us conservatives are looking at this and feeling like not only is there just out of control spending, but you have to wonder what the motive is when we just continue to want to increase the debt limit, knowing that this gravy train cannot keep going forever.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, the gravy train can't keep going, but uh, as you talk about in your book and as we talk about kind of the religious aspect to this, finding the family values again, reconnecting with uh, your religious or spiritual beliefs in some way and where we find the roots of the Judeo-Christian values here in the country, there's an attack on that by not allowing us to practice it, by not allowing us to focus on that because they're always in turmoil. There's always some type of crises going on, and its uh, I think that's what's breaking us apart right now, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is, and they're they're using these crises to help gin up reasons to spend money, of course. And and our, if you think about our roots. Of course, we've had some significant challenges in the beginning with with our uh, monetary policy. There was a big debate in the uh, you know late seventeen hundreds with should we have a national bank, and we had war debts, and we had currency that wasn't worth anything. And of course, that's what led to the Constitutional Convention to try and figure out how we can uh, solve some of that. Yeah, And it really wasn't until, I think, 1837, if I remember correctly, until we had uh, achieved having no debt as a nation. Isn't that amazing to think of back then? <laughs> and uh, and yet since then, we have just struggled as a nation to realize that it's our responsibility to not spend more than than we're taking in.
0: What a wild concept! I know that's a it's it's fascinating that the fact that that is a concept that we have to hone in because they're all about just trying to drive home whatever they want to spend on because they say that it's the right thing to do, it's the Christian thing to do to just have a whole bunch of social programs. Is that true?
3: That is absolutely not the case, and there's a lot of confusion about this. And this is what I cover in the book. I, I try and lay out here are the principles, the not only the founding principles which are found in our Declaration of Independence, but also the operating principles that talk about how is it that government is supposed to operate. And this notion of uh, individual accountability and responsibility is really all but lost on the progressives. And they, what they do is they take some passages in the New Testament, like in Acts, when they talk about the early church uh, bringing their their property and bringing their money and giving it to the disciples so that they could help people in need, that was you know ob- obviously absolutely biblical to serve those that could not take care of themselves. But that's completely different than folks taking responsibility in order to make a living, have a vocation, provide for their family, and not be a burden on the state. And so the other thing you have to remember back then is they were under Roman rule. And so there was a, it was a lot different than the way things are now, but it's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we should be out uh, earning a living, getting a vocation. In fact, I, I recently did a, a search. There are like 30 different vocations mentioned in the Bible that of course we would recognize if you went down the list right and and so we're encouraged to do those things but that is all lost on the modern progressive movement
0: yeah it's kind of the teach a man to fish you feed him for a lifetime you feed them into fish you teach you you know you feed him for a day sort of thing and we've lost that concept because now according to them the proper thing to do is to get people on social programs which we understand there's a more malicious intent to it because when you get people on a social program then They don't want to come off, or it's harder to get off. When they raised the unemployment benefits over the last few years with COVID-19, then they lowered them, and we're seeing a lot of those end by the end of this month. The media, people are losing their minds over the fact that they're not going to get as many of the SNAP benefits or unemployment benefits, or you actually have to qualify by applying to go and actually try to get a job in order to continue to remain on unemployment. Uh, The media is having a heyday with all this.
3: Yeah, they, they really are. And what's so nefarious about it is that they're encouraging dependency. Yeah, And and from a Christian standpoint, we're not only to have individual responsibility to take care of ourselves, it's what gives us a fulfilling life. And so when they do that, when the progressives try and continue to encourage this dependency on social programs and the government to take care of all their needs, they're robbing people of being able to pursue their God-given talents and their passions, not only to be able to take care of themselves—they don't need the government's help—but also to find things they're passionate about, and to go on and, and benefit society from some of the you know, wonderful innovations that we have, or creating services that uh, help take society uh, to the next level in terms of their standard of living. There's so many aspects of this that are just not biblical, and uh, yeah. you know, Christians have to get engaged, and this is the, the intent of my book, is to try and help Christians understand really all Americans, that we have a citizenship duty. And part of that is to rein in government, especially the out-of-control spending.
0: Amen to that. We're talking with Mark Burrell, author of the book Rediscovering the American Covenant, Roadmap to Restore America, which you can find online at defendamericanliberty.com. Again, defendamericanliberty.com. I read a set, and I, I think I asked you this last time when you were on the program, but I want to reiterate this because it's always stuck in my head for the years I've read this, that as size of government grows, then the belief in a higher power or religious views dwindle because we no longer look for the higher power to solve the issues or to give us the answer to do it ourselves or the strength to do it ourselves and figure out the solution ourselves. That. That Instead, we continue to look towards the government to do something for us. If it's a school shooting, government, get rid of the guns, do something. If there's an economic turmoil or high gas prices, president, do something. The gas prices are really high. We always look towards the government to solve our problems instead of figuring it out ourselves.
3: Yeah, and what you're really poking at here is this wonderful concept of self-government. This is what God wants us to do not only to practice this in our family, you know, our familial relationships, but we're supposed to form communities, and we're supposed to do that through a covenant. And this is the point that I make in the book, is that the the title, Rediscovering the American Covenant, is about the Declaration of Independence, which I show from the Bible uh, is how the founders actually applied biblical principles for founding a nation to the letter. And those same principles that they followed, which is to acknowledge God, to appeal to Him for help, to commit, and then to declare. They're the same principles that we find in a marriage and uh, in founding any local township or community. It's the same thing. And this is a blessing to be able to do this. This is what the Bible uh, gives us in order to be able to live in peace with our neighbor. And it's, it's a tragedy when you think the progressives are taking away this Idea that we can rise to the occasion and instead are seeding this dependency that you mentioned that is not fulfilling. And it's going to create a greater burden on the government. And eventually we run out of money.
0: Yeah, that is very true. we got just about a minute left here, uh, Mark, as we got to let you go. And I appreciate your time. But I I always make the argument here on the program that even those that may not be Christian or believe in the Bible in a certain way or uh, that don't use that as a reference tool, that we can still make the religious or uh, traditional value arguments that we want to through the constitutional values, through conservative values, which my three pillars are life, liberty, and the private property – as long as you don't infringe upon those and you hold on to it and make it as a basis and a a reference for yourself, that we're making those religious arguments for ourselves, but through a constitutional matter, because the way they wrote the Constitution was kind of one and the same, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, in fact, the amazing thing about the American system of government is, while it's based on Judeo-Christian principles, You do not have to be a Christian to be a great American. Mm. You just have to agree to what you just said, which is found in the second paragraph of the Declaration, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and recognizing that there's a law of nature and of nature's God was a direct reference to the moral law summarized by the Ten Commandments. You just have to agree that you're going to abide by that. You don't have to become a Christian, which is really amazing when you think about it. And that was the way they wanted it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was where yes, they wanted what They, they wanted, wanted to create is. it that way.
3: So. Yeah, it allows everyone to go on their own faith journey. So it actually enables the evangelism that the modern church says uh, is the reason why you can't get involved yeah. in civil government. And I address that in the book, too.
0: Amen to that. I love it. Mark time, my friend, Rediscovering the American Covenant Roadmap to Restore America. Find it online, DefendAmericanLiberty.com. Mark, it's great to talk to you again, my friend. Great conversation. Let's get you back on again soon.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. Hey,
0: appreciate it as always. We'll take one more break here, wrap up, come back here, wrap up the show for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. The
1: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. (laughs) Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Houser. Boy, oh boy, does the time fly right on by.
0: So much to talk about, so much to do, and so little time to do it back. Welcome back into the program, Mark Burrell. We appreciate him coming on the show very, very much. Interesting concept, interesting perspective. As I've said so many times before on this program, I don't care what faith that you have. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what your stance is on religion or spirituality or whatever else that you have. I really don't care. The beauty of this nation, as he mentioned and pointed out, is that while we're based in Judeo-Christian values for this nation and our Constitution, whether some try to argue it or not, are based on a lot of Judeo-Christian values as well, understanding the concept of natural law, that there is a higher power out there in some way, shape, or form, and whatever that may be for you does not really matter. You can believe it in however you want to is that this country is set up for you because as long as you abide by those simple principles that are supposed to be in our Constitution, which is life, liberty, and private property. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's all you have. Don't harm anybody's life or put that in in danger. Don't try and uh, take away somebody's liberty to think the way they want to, to live the way they want to in any way, shape, or form. And don't take away their private property. If they work for something, if they hustle, that is theirs, their property, that is theirs that they have created, that is the blood, sweat, and tears they put in for themselves. And don't take that away from somebody. No raiding and pillaging here in the country, although there is right now from the government and from the elites going on in Washington, D.C., which is unfortunate. The good news is, as I say, I'm always the eternal optimist, is that the House of Cards is beginning to crumble. The transparency is finally starting to come out, and we're starting to finally understand the truth of what's going on. The uh, Kevin McCarthy still getting a lot of heat from the whole releasing of the videos from January 6th. Tucker Carlson having a heyday the last few days. Apparently his ratings are up near six times higher than CNN, which is absolutely insane. I'm surprised they're not on a normal basis as well, but they've skyrocketed at this time while he's talking about this January 6th issue and Kevin McCarthy sitting down with Breitbart News and saying he has no regrets in releasing these videos and more to come. Well, this is all about transparency,
4: and it won't just be to Tucker. Like any news organization, different people get exclusives. We watched during the January 6th CNN would have exclusives all the time, and nobody complained. CNN actually got to be in the Statuary Hall for a whole hour for their own show. You've watched that January 6th would release only certain tapes. I think it's better for transparency that anyone can make their own decision up. And as we walk through, these, these are many more hours of tapes than the January 6th committee told us. It's not 14,000, it's 42,000 hours. We want to make sure, for security purposes, Are certain exits aren't shown in others. But you know the most interesting thing, when I sat down, when I had the team talk to the Capitol Police about making sure they had no problems with the exit is showing, they said January 6th never asked them that. They showed the exit of the Vice President. They showed the exit from my office. They literally had then Speaker Pelosi's daughter showing the secure location that they take the leadership. That's not supposed to be known to anybody, and CNN reported it. And I don't remember the press ever getting upset with that. So what we want to do is make sure we have this out, that everybody can see it. What a concept.
0: Now, I wish we would apply that to other things as well. We're getting better. It's taken a long, slow process, but it's getting better. And I, again, tip my hat off to Kevin McCarthy because he is not um, letting us down from what we were concerned about him potentially doing as Speaker of the House. We have some big battles ahead, and I think that we could have him kind of waver on some issues. But when it comes to this, this might be an easy one. You know, toss this out. Keep the Republicans happy. You know, keep the right side of the aisle in favor of him as we get into some pretty hefty battles moving forward. But I applaud him. For this, because this is what we need to do. I've said many times before, heck, we could do a GoFundMe and we could buy a laptop and a webcam to go into every different committee room in the chambers across the board in Washington, DC, in every agency and every department, put up a webcam, hook it up to a laptop, and live stream it on YouTube or or C SPAN or whatever the hell we want to do, and just listen to everything they're talking about. Then if we do something like that, there would be no more backdoor deals. We could hear the conversations on how the bills even get to the floor. And I think that would be pretty entertaining to watch. And we could hold them accountable for the ridiculousness that goes on in Washington, D.C. The fact that Democrats were holding on to these videos and only letting go select pieces. And the security people were like, oh, yeah, they never even asked us. The investigation on January 6th that was trying to get to the bottom of it never even asked for the full 42,000 hours of video. And yet, here you go. Kevin McCarthy, here you go. Do your thing, baby. Whatever you want. As long as you don't show any, like, super secret stuff on where we can protect ourselves if, God forbid, a terrorist attack, have at it. And it's releasing it to the public. I know you're sick and tired of hearing about January 6th, but it's the tipping point between that and the COVID origin committees right now, and the investigation on Hunter Biden, and the investigation on Joe Biden, and the investigation on Hillary Clinton, and the investigation on everything the Democrats are doing right now. The cards are beginning to fall and the truth is starting to come out. And I'm kind of happy about that. That does the For Us Today podcast up in a bit. Back at it tomorrow for a Friday to wrap up the week. we got a big one lined up. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio tomorrow. See ya.